welcome to a segment of teaching that we'll be diving into over the next couple weeks here at Oxford Vineyard. This week's sermon is titled Sabbath, and next week we're going to be talking about rest. So this week I want to talk a little bit about the why behind the Sabbath. Why, why should we keep a Sabbath? Why should we focus on this idea of the Sabbath that's present throughout the Old Testament and referenced in the New Testament? And then next week I want to talk a little bit more about how do we rest? Because rest is a nice idea, but we have to know what that looks like. Because as I'm going to talk about later, rest isn't just a day off. We can do a lot of work on a day off. So I want to talk to you about Sabbath today. I'm really excited to talk about this because on the last, over the last 12 months, the Lord has kind of taken me on a journey um, learning more about the Sabbath, learning more about what it means to rest, learning more about what it means to rest in Him and actually enter into His perfect rest because He talks about that a lot to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. He calls His rest perfect. He calls the Sabbath perfect, and it's a gift, and so we have to understand what that means. So, I haven't done this long, the whole pastoring thing, ministry thing. Even so, I've experienced different degrees of burnout as I've gone. And I'm sure that many of you with your careers and your families and all the demands on your time have also experienced burnout from time to time. We work hard. I think we have a really hardworking group of people here, a really hardworking congregation, and uh, I commend you for that. I think that's spectacular. We have people here in many different fields. We have business owners. We have uh, medical professionals. We have salespeople. We have people in almost every aspect of our, of our community, and I think it's great. We have teachers. Um, all those are demanding jobs. And this has kind of led me to think about busyness. Every time I ask someone how they are or what they're up to, their answer is busy, but good right? How many of you, if I asked you how you were, would you say busy? Yeah, I would say the same thing. I find myself saying that all the time. Um, As I kind of juggle a number of things week to week, I think it's important that we figure out why is it that our answer is always busy to how we're doing. So Phil Strout, the national director of Vineyard USA, has kind of become uh, a mentor to me from afar. So I love his teaching. I love what he writes. Uh, he's been a guest teacher in our School of Kingdom Ministry class. If you're, if you're in the class, you've heard a little bit of Phil. And I think that wh- one, of, one of his passions is instilling in leaders this understanding of what it means to lead well and to do leadership for the long haul. We have to be able to stay in this for a long time, right? The life of a believer is demanding. The great commission that Jesus gives us to go and make disciples of all nations, that's, that's a heavy command, right? That's a heavy, that's a tall task. And so if we're going to do that on top of having careers and on top of having families, we have to understand what it means to pace ourselves, to have rhythms in our life, and to rest. So Phil talks about this long-haul leadership that sets people up for decades and decades of uh, healthy ministry, healthy, fruitful ministry in the Holy Spirit. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we see rhythm, right? We see times when Jesus is on the move, and, and he's healing the sick, and he casts out demons, and he preaches, and he spends time with his followers and his friends, and he travels great distances on foot, right? Jesus didn't have a car, so that was probably exhausting. But there are also times when Jesus withdraws. He goes to be by himself. He goes to spend time with the Father. He spends time in prayer. He recuperates. He inhales, as Phil would say. 
So I've been learning what it means to inhale and to exhale, to push through intense seasons of meetings and trips and obligations, as well as how to experience fruitful Holy Spirit ministry and fruitful work and, and really just like taking, taking time away and having times of solitude and Sabbath and spending time in spiritual disciplines like Lectio Divina and, and silence and just being with the Lord. Meditation, napping. Napping is sometimes one of the most spiritual things we can do, although I would prefer that we save the naps for this afternoon. Um, these are some things that I want to share with you over the next couple of weeks. I want to talk to you about these things. It's going to be a little bit different pace than usual because usually we're hitting it hard, right? We're talking about prophecy. We're talking about healing. We're talking about all these things, but I want to talk to you about rest. After some encouragement from a few different mentors in my life, I read uh, The Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius in early 2019, and I got a lot out of it. I learned a lot about God. I learned a lot about myself, and it's, uh, it's a challenging read for sure. I was listening to the Ferment podcast around the same time, which I highly recommend to all of you. It's Vineyard Worship's podcast where they speak to vineyardites and non-vineyardites about worship and many other things. So as a pastor, uh, I've actually gotten a lot from that podcast. I'm not a musician, but it's, it's spectacular. So check it out if you're into podcasts. And I ran across an interview in that podcast with a man named Jared Boyd. And I've actually gotten to know Jared a little bit over the last number of months, I sought him out. He's a pastor who lives in Columbus with his wife and kids. And on the ferment, he was uh, actually talking about a project that he's embarked in on the pa- in the past couple of years called the Order of Sustainable Faith. And so what the Order of Sustainable Faith is, is it's actually a monastic order, much like the, the Franciscans or the Jesuits, but it has a much more vineyard flavor to it. Uh, obviously not Catholic, right? It's a vineyard thing. But what we do is we have our cohorts and we get together with groups of people and we explore what it looks like to have healthy rhythms of life. And so I get to stay married and I get to enjoy all the good things about life, but I also get to call myself a monk. So it's a lot of fun. Um, Long story short, I've gained a whole new understanding of what it looks like to rest. And so I hope that uh, by sharing some of it this morning, we can, we can gain something new for our lives that can energize us, that can fill us back up, and we'll get sent back out into the world after having some Sabbath with a new understanding of what God's rest looks like. So, I'm just going to pray, and then we'll get started. I know we're not already started. Um, Jesus, we just thank you for your presence, for your goodness. Holy Spirit, we just welcome more of you here. You're the teacher. Fill me up. God, I just ask that you would speak to each individual person here with something that you have for them. God, you're speaking to us today. Allow us to hear. Allow us to listen what it is that you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, among Christians, there's a lot of misunderstanding about the Sabbath. The Hebrew Bible is hard for us because we live in the West in 2020. The world of the Bible was very different from the world that we live in today. And so we have to grab onto some of those things and drag them into the present and figure out how to apply them. Because the truth is that this book was written to a different group of people. Some people think that Sunday is the Sabbath Some people think that Saturday is the Sabbath. 
uh, what should we do on the Sabbath? Should we do nothing? Should we sleep? Should we eat? Should we fast? Should we exercise? Should we be having fun? Should we not be having fun? Uh, are Christians required to keep the Sabbath at all? It's a good question. Uh, of what benefit is the Sabbath? We have to understand why we do this to actually do it well. So to understand the Sabbath, we have to look back at the first Sabbath rest in the Bible, where the precedent for this seventh day of rest comes from. So in the second chapter of Genesis, we're going to take a look at Genesis 1, 2, and 3, or Genesis 1, 1, 2, and 3. So I'm going to read it to you. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. So God finished up creating everything and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because in it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. That's a beautiful uh, little passage. And reading this a while back, it made me think, why would God rest? Why would God rest? He, did he change? Was he tired? Did his resources run out? Did the God of the universe run out of energy or resources on the seventh day? Was he depleted? Of course not, right? Those go against all the things that we know about God. God doesn't change. He doesn't waver, and he's never depleted. So what reason would he have had to rest on the seventh day? Jews have been telling each other, this story for millennia, right? This is, a, this is the very beginning of the Hebrew Bible. Every rabbi and every uh, Jewish school child would have heard this for thousands of years uh, before Jesus even walked on the earth. Maybe not thousands of years, hundreds of years. Before Jesus walked on the earth and subsequently afterwards, we've been telling this story and retelling it, but we really have to understand why it's important. What are we supposed to learn from the fact that God rested on the seventh day? God rested because it's a part of who he is. He worked and then he rested. The whole Godhead rest name that a lot of us have heard for name that's used for God throughout creation is Elohim. It's a name that a lot of us have heard for God. And that ending, im, on Elohim, means multiple in Hebrew. If you want to make anything multiple, you know, if I had multiple Johns, it would be John im. So, what, what do we see here? We see that all of God, the Father, the Spirit, and the Son, in conjunction with the heavenlies, rested. We're made in the image and the likeness of God. So if God rested, we must rest, right? Does that make sense? Okay. So during the creation of the earth, the writer of Genesis says that God specifically blessed what he had created three times. It says God created something and then he blessed it. So the first thing that he created and then blessed was the animal kingdom. So he creates the animal kingdom, he blesses it, and he commands it to be fruitful and multiply. The second thing that God blesses is humanity. God creates humanity, blesses it, commands it to be fruitful and multiply. The third thing that God blesses is the Sabbath. And when God blesses the Sabbath, he uses the same blessing, the Hebrew word barak, that he used for the animals and for humans. So why would there be a blessing for fruitful multiplication on a day? Does that make sense to anyone? It didn't make sense to me the first time I heard it. 
There's an awesome Jewish poem that's told by a lot of rabbis that I had never heard before, but in the poem, uh, it's basically the seventh day as a person is talking to God, and the seventh day says, every other day gets a mate, right? Because the other six days, that's an even number. And so you have day one and two, and then you have day three and four and five and six, and they're together. But the seventh day was alone. And the seventh day asked, why have you made me to be alone? And God answered that humanity is to be your partner. Humanity is to be the partner of the seventh day. So Judaism is a religion that is concerned with time in a way that no other religion is concerned with time. When we look at the practice of Jewish people, when we look at the Hebrew language, and we look at the Hebrew Bible, it's very concerned with time. And as Westerners, we are concerned with space and things. We are. That's how we think. That's how our minds are wired to work. So what is important to us? The things that are important to us are our skyscrapers and our stadiums and our homes and our possessions and our money and our precious stones, right? Those are the things that have value uh, in the West. But the first thing that God called holy wasn't a place or a thing. It was a day. It was a time. So if you think about the Hebrew calendar, if you know anything about Judaism, it's littered with holidays. There are so many holidays on the Jewish calendar. It's because God appreciates the holiness of time. He appreciates the setting aside of part of our lives, of our time, to be with him, to give him our rapt attention, to be completely present with him. That's why holidays are all over the Hebrew Bible. So the God of the Hebrew Bible is unlike other gods because we see these other gods and they make places holy, right? They take, you know, the, the Ganges River, right, in, in Hinduism, or they would take Mecca or they would take, you know, these other things and they would make them holy. But the thing that God calls holy is our Sabbath. I've been meditating on this for the past four months or so. I think it's so important that God loves time so much. Check out Ephesians 5 on your own time. It talks about God redeeming the time, right? We worship a God who can actually reach back in the timeline of our life and make something tragic holy. We worship a God who, who is outside of time. He can reach back in the timeline of our life and take something horrendous, horrible, that the enemy meant for evil and turn it for our good and it's a positive experience for the rest of our life, right? That's amazing. That's an amazing thing to think about. It's, it's built us into the person that we are today. And so that's why time is amazing. God can bend time in ways that we could never fathom. The blessing on the Sabbath day for fruitfulness means that the Sabbath is a special time for restoration, right? The Sabbath, when we take a day and we give it to God, we give him all of our attention, we give him our rest, and we give him our worship, he will reach back into our life and he will restore what's broken. He will reach into our tiredness, into our disappointment, into our doubt, and he will restore what the enemy intended for evil. Yeah, this book that I just told you to read, Garden City, I think Lynn's in the middle of it right now, John Mark Comer writes about the importance that we understand the difference between the Sabbath and a day off. So he says, on a day off, you don't, you don't work for your employer, but you still work. You grocery shop, you go to the bank, you mow the lawn, you work on the remodel project, you, skip a, you chip away at the sci-fi novel that you're writing. On the Sabbath, 
you rest and you worship. And that's it. And that's such a foreign concept to us. The idea of taking a full day to rest and to worship. And I know the thoughts that are swimming around in your head right now, that the same thoughts that were swimming around in my head the first time I started to dig into this. That's unfair. There are huge demands on me by my employer. There are huge demands on me by my family, right? There are things that need done. Sometimes I just can't take a day off. I hear you, but keep tracking with me. That brings me to the next thing that we need to key in on. It's rhythm. So if we're going to talk about rhythms of life, that's, that's really important for us to understand the Sabbath. The way creation is described to us in Genesis is very intentional. It's very intentional. It sets up precedents that are to exist for the rest of humanity. So God's rest on this authority in the earth but not supposed to carry on forever. These are things that set up the foundations of the earth. And so if we will read Genesis because it's more accurately a wisdom book than it is a science book, like some people have twisted it up and mangled it to try to be, we'll understand God's intent for our rest. There's six days of labor and one for worship and delight in creation. Our lives should have rhythm and order. So it's well noted that keeping the Sabbath is the only one of the Ten Commandments that's not repeated in the New Testament. Did you guys know that? The other nine of the Ten Commandments are repeated explicitly in the New Testament. The Sabbath, there's never actually a command, keep the Sabbath. Why? Because it should be implied. It's wisdom. It's not sin not to keep the Sabbath. It's just stupid, right? I I started to realize that when I wasn't keeping the Sabbath, and I was so depleted, and I was so at the end of myself, and then I started to think about this, and I was like, maybe there's a reason. It's because it's built into my DNA as an imager of God to rest. And I wasn't resting. God rested because even God stops to enjoy what he's done. God rested because creation has an order and a rhythm, and you're part of it. You're made in his image. God rested because he wants you to do the same. See, when we see Jesus do things in the New Testament, it's because he wants us to repeat them, right? We believe that about almost everything Jesus did except rest. We do that in the vineyard. We look, at, we look at all these great things that Jesus did. Yes, you know, all these works and greater, right? And we're going we're gonna to do it again and we're going to keep. But Jesus rested all the time, right? Jesus kept the Sabbath in the purest, most unadulterated way that any, almost anyone had ever kept the Sabbath ever to that point. But we don't emulate it for some reason. So I want us to take a look at how Jesus dealt with the Sabbath. So we're going to read from Mark. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 23 to chapter 3, verse 6. So it's kind of a long chunk, but there's a few things that Jesus says that I want to kind of key in on. We're going to talk about them a little bit. So this is one of the most notable instances of Jesus speaking about the Sabbath. He's talking to some Pharisees in both both instances, and so we're just going to unpack some of this. So what does it say? It says, One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you, ever, have you never read what David did? When he was in need and he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the name of Abithar, the high priest, 
and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So what's happening here? Jesus and some of his followers, they're walking through this field. They're, they're picking heads of grain. And the Pharisees start grilling them for it. Because in the Jewish law, there were all of these uh, kind of like little laws that were set up to keep you from doing the, the big bad things wrong. right? So you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. That was the command. So then there were all these laws set up like don't build a fire on the Sabbath and don't pick grain on the Sabbath because if you do that, then you might be working, right? So they, they did all these things to kind of keep people. It was a very religious, uh, kind of stifling, like codified system that kept people from uh, sinning, basically, because they were so afraid of it. And so what does Jesus say, right? He, he's actually teaching them one of their principles from their writing. So the Pharisees would have known that in the Jewish law, the most important thing was to preserve life, was to preserve human life. That command came before the other commands. So if life is at risk, their responsibility first was to preserve life and forego the other laws. Once life had been preserved, then we can return to, to regular ways of doing things. So Jesus tells this story about David going in and eating this bread that he wasn't supposed to because Jesus is saying, look, if, if life is at stake, right, God created this world to flourish, not at the expense of the Sabbath, right, but because of the Sabbath. And so the whole point is to give life. What Jesus is trying to teach back to the Pharisees that they're supposed to already know is that this thing is about bringing life to people. It's about restoration, like we said before. So it goes on in the next chapter. It says, again, he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? So Jesus is teaching them the same principle again, right? He's saying it's the Sabbath and the Sabbath is for life. The Sabbath is for abundant life, right? It's not for these religious laws. It's to give to the people, right? It's for the people to receive from God what the intent always was, which is to worship him and rest in his presence. But they were silent. And he looked around them, he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately, went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. So, this is really cool because what we're seeing here, right? We talk all the time about how we have to read the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus. Yeah, we have to take Jesus and hold him up. And when we read the Old Testament, you know, we can say, okay, I don't understand that, but what I do understand is Jesus. Okay, so in this moment, there is actually a clarifying point on what's happening in the Old Testament. And we can miss it, right, if we just read through this story fast, but it's really, really that the intent is to save life, that the intent is to bring life and restore on the Sabbath. Now, what happens in the Old Testament when the people don't keep the Sabbath? What happens? God gets angry, right? And a lot of times bad things happen because they, forget, they did not remember the Sabbath day. That's what it says all over the place. Now, this is, this is pure Old Testament to New Testament, 
What happens in the Old Testament because of the law? What happens in the New Testament under grace? So instead of these people dying immediately because they didn't keep the Sabbath the way God wanted them to, look, Jesus still got angry. He still didn't like what they did. He, he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. He saw them not keeping the Sabbath, and it made him angry, like it made God angry in the Old Testament. See, in the Old Testament, these people would have been struck dead, right? Because there's this, there isn't this interplay with grace and the law. In the Old Testament, God would have been bound by the law to punish them in a particular way. But you see, Jesus reacted a completely different way. They can tell he wasn't happy, but there's grace for them. I think it's awesome. So I want to narrow in on this, this first thing in this first chunk that Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus is actually repeating this from ancient Jewish literature. So this is in a book called the Mishnah. Um, it's, the Pharisees would have known it. So he's quoting this book. This isn't an original quote from Jesus. He's reminding them. He's saying, hey, the Sabbath was made for us. It's a gift from God. It's not an obligation. It's a time for us to pause to take a look at the work of our hands and the life that we have partnered with God to create and to meet with him. That's the purpose, to worship him with our rapt attention. The Sabbath is about giving life. And, and Jesus emphasizes this as he goes. We have to learn from this statement that the intent is not to shut down completely and not do anything at any cost, the purpose is life-giving. So what I want us to do this morning is think about what would it look like for you to keep the Sabbath in a way that gives you life. Not in a way that's religious, not in a way that, that holds you down, that's oppressive. Where do you meet with God? Where do you meet with God? Not on your day off, but on the Sabbath. I want to encourage us as a body to start keeping a Sabbath. And I know that that's kind of a tall task, and sometimes, you know, it can be annoying when somebody comes to you and says, oh, I can't, you know, do this that day. That's my Sabbath, or I can't, you know, whatever. But I would encourage you, don't be annoyed with those people. They're keeping that, that, that guideline much better than I ever have. So think about it this way. Um, we have to, Hebrews 4.11 Check out Hebrews 4.11. It illustrates why this rest is so important. It says, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their, meaning the Israelites, example of disobedience. So in the book of Hebrews, right, it's revisiting all these ideas from Judaism. And we come back to it and we say, okay, now that you're Christians, you know, what do we do, right? It's written to the Hebrews. And this whole chapter, Hebrews 4, is written about the Sabbath. I want to encourage you to read that because there's some really good stuff in there about how we handle this. I think it's interesting. This, this came to my mind a number of months ago that he's, what he's saying here is that the opposite of rest is disobedience, right? When Israel wasn't resting, they were living in disobedience. That's hard because sometimes I feel like I don't have time to rest, I've, so what I want to do is I want to confess some things out loud over our lives. These come from part two of Garden City, and I think we should just go through this list. We need to say these things together. We need to deeply consider them. 
and, and think about how we're going to integrate this into our lives. Are you ready? Okay, so I'm going to say the thing, and then you're going to repeat it. Sound good? Enough is enough. I do not have to work more. I do not have to buy more. I do not have to sell more. I do not have to move up in the company. I do not have to earn my father's love. I have nothing to prove. I do not have to get a perfect score. I do not need another bay in my garage. I do not need to be younger or more beautiful. I do not need to make everybody happy. I do not need to get everything I want. I'm free. I'm part of a different kingdom now with a different king. Amen. Amen. All right. Think about those things, right? That's what the Sabbath means to me. When I truly practice Sabbath, my phone's off, my computer's off, I'm not checking my email, I'm not meeting anyone's needs, I'm not working for my employer, right? It's rest and it's worship. That's Sabbath. It's, it's a tall task. It's a hard thing for us to integrate into our fast-paced 21st century lives. But we have to do it. We absolutely have to do it to preserve our lives, to keep ourselves from dying sooner than we need to, to keep ourselves from uh, abusing the people around us because we're so maxed out and we're so stressed and we can't even think. We absolutely have to rest. We also have to rest to prophesy, to spend hours in prayer meetings, to spend time on the streets, to take Sockham, to, to come to church every Sunday, to do these outreaches, to do these potlucks. We've got to rest. And so I think we should also kind of explore the idea of having moments of Sabbath in our day. I've tried to do this more and more where I'll take an hour and I won't do anything for an hour. I'm just going to spend time with God. I'll get by myself, you know, in the quiet, whatever. Intentional time. I'm not talking about, oh, man, maybe I should, you know, read my Bible right now, but I'm in the car, I'm driving to work, so I guess I'm going to pop it up on my phone and just about have a wreck on the highway trying to get my Bible audio book up, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about stop, stopping everything, sitting with God, having a moment of Sabbath. It can re-energize you in a supernatural way for the rest of the day. Next week, I'm going to talk a little bit more about what that means to actually rest like that. But we get to participate in the perfect rest of God. Think about that. The rest that God had on the seventh day is the rest that we get to participate in when we practice Sabbath. How perfect. Just close your eyes and think for a second about how perfect that rest would have been on the seventh day. God created the entire world unadulterated by sin, right? Nothing had happened yet to stain it. And God took an entire however long and rested. He rested, enjoyed 
the fruit of his labor, enjoyed the work of his hands, looked at what he had created, called it good, and blessed it. That's awesome. As a people, we have got to slow down. The busyness question, you know, we, we really we live at the mercy of the tyranny of what's urgent. And there have got to be some things that we just say, I'm not going to lay everything down for that. I'm not going to stop what I'm doing to meet that person's need. I'm not going to stop what I'm doing to make sure that that duty is fulfilled. Right? Our number one duty is to rest. There was a, Plato said um, before Jesus that the, the Sabbath was a means to an end. So they would rest on the seventh day so that they could work for six. And he didn't get it. Because the whole point is that rest is the end. We work for six days so we get to participate in the perfect rest of God. Not because we're at the end of ourselves. Not because we're completely depleted. But because we get to sit back and look at the work of our hands over the last six days. That we partnered with God, hopefully, to do. That's the whole point. So it's not... It's not like we, we work as hard as we can for six days, and then we say, oh, finally, I have a Sabbath so that I can basically get recharged and go do it again. And I know that these, these concepts are kind of conflicting with one another because I've also said that it's for restoration, right? But it's a different kind of restoration, yeah? It's not restoration so that we can go deplete ourselves again. It's restoration to be closer to God. It's restoration to go live the next six days more empowered, more empowered than you already are. It's like stair steps. You're ascending. It's not, you know, you're working and you're depleted and then you get a Sabbath and you return to the level that you were and then you work again and you run yourself down. It's not like that, right? It's about growing up in the kingdom of God. So take a day. Don't answer text calls and emails. Don't scroll through social media. Don't check anything off your to-do list. Don't work on the remodel. Rest. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. I'm going to pray. Jesus, we just thank you for the, for the Sabbath that you have given us as a gift. Thank you for your perfect rest, God. We want to enter into that rest, like the writer of Hebrews says. We don't want to live in disobedience. We don't want to be constantly depleting ourselves. We want to enter your rest. We want to experience you. We want to come in close. We want to be restored by the love that you have for us, by the power of your Holy Spirit. We want to be restored by the power of repentance when we come in close to you. God, I just ask that you would empower each and every one of us to begin living out Sabbath differently than we already have. If we already do a good job of it, make it better, God. Show us ways that we can come closer to you. And if there are people in this room right now who never enter into your rest, who never take that time to stop to be with you to worship Holy Spirit, would you just guide them, show them holes in their, in their schedule, show them times when they can stop and be with you and be restored. God, we love you, and we love your rest. In Jesus' name, amen.